What is up, everyone? <laughs> Welcome to the Toppy Blues USA, uh, your source for all things Everton, American style, right? It's just like normal Toppy Blues, except it's got the special sauce. That's it, and without the cool accents. I'm Jerry, uh, coming to you from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, as, as I tend to. If I ever come to you from a different location, uh, things will have changed drastically in my fortunes. Uh, so joining me today uh, for his uh, for his first time here uh, from the Cleveland Evertonians, we have Jake Altman joining us. Jake, how are you doing, man? Great. How are you? You know, it's been a good day. Today's not been too bad. Not, not a whole lot of complaints, man. Thank you for asking. Uh, so Jake, Cleveland Evertonians at I think I guess maybe you could say at Cleverton. Oh. Uh, if you're going to do it all phonetically. Uh, so talk to us about the Cleveland Evertonians. Uh, uh, it seems like uh, with pandemic and everything, y'all are doing a lot of Zoom type meetings. Do you, when, when the pandemic's not on, do y'all still have a, a, home, a home spot where y'all meet so, up? So, so what's kind of funny is that uh, the pandemic has really been one of the drivers of putting the club together. Uh, you know, we were, we were, on the on the cusp just in in february or so on the cusp of you know trying to find a, a new home and getting people together and uh and then just as we were starting to get momentum uh you know everything kind of shut down up here and everywhere else and so uh so we really tried to focus on using that time to, to build up the group to to find everybody in the area uh that you know we you know we know i think we all know that you know a core group of evertonians in your in your area but there's always more and i think that's what we found is that you know when we started you know fishing through Twitter pages or you know people who tweeted about Everton who said they were in Northeast Ohio, uh, just kind of fishing through, DMing them, asking them if they'd like to be a part of what we're doing, uh, and so so really uh, we don't we don't have a home bar or anything just yet because we haven't started uh, really putting this together until after the right. pandemic started. So um, that's that's kind of where where we are now. We've we've recently finished our affiliation with the club, and so that's been good. Uh, and, and we got ourselves some scarves, and that was really fun. That was a fun process to, to get those designed and get them uh, get them ordered, and we're in the process of getting them distributed now. Uh, we're able to raise a little bit of money for our local food bank and also for everything in the community. So, uh, so yeah, it's been great. <laughs> that is – I didn't realize you were that early in the process. That's so awesome. Holy crap. So talk to me a little bit about getting a supporters group started because you're talking about – individually DMing folks. And I, I, I've never started a, you know, a group like that before. So, and I, I'm sure there's other people who have not as well. So can you talk to me a little bit about that process? Because it seems, I mean, just from that little bit, it seems like work. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of work to it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the first thing that, that we did was we tried to get, in, get, get active on social media. So, you know, following the people that we knew, uh, making a, a, a social media page that appeared professional. Uh, you know, we have to give a shout out to, to Everton Designs for designing our logo, doing a really great job, really helping us to, uh, to kind of professionalize. If you, I don't know if you can find it, but if you look back through our Twitter page, you might find the original logo that I tried to make. And it's, 
it is a disaster. So so Everton Designs really came through. And uh, I was going to say, I like the one you have now for sure. I haven't seen the, yeah. the old one, though, but I'm totally going to go back and do some. <laughs> I, I'm just hopefully curious I've, at this point. <laughs> hopefully I've scrubbed it because uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a really, really poor attempt at graphic design. But, uh, yeah, we were able to, to enlist uh, Everton Designs help to, to really kind of uh, class up our, our profile. Um, and then just, just like I said, so, so me and another, another guy, his name is Andrew. Uh, we went through uh, mostly, mostly Andrew doing the reaching out, just DMing anyone we could find that looked like they might be in the Cleveland area that looked like they might be interested, um, going through the people that we already knew. And, and if you've never put together a supporters group for, for Everton, one of the things that, that may, you may not know is that, uh, is that the information that the club wants can seem a little bit invasive. You know, they want your address, they want your birthday things like that. So, so trying to, trying to get that information out of people when maybe they're not necessarily all that stoked to give it away. Um, and that was, a, I think that was the surprising part of it for me, but really just keeping after the people who, um, keeping after the people who, who maybe, you know, they want to be a part of it because you've spoken to them before, but you know, people aren't always, not everybody's thinking about being a part of the Cleveland Evertonians all the time. Uh, you know, like, like maybe me and some of the other people who are organizing it on. So, gotcha. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it, it is, if, if you're somewhere where if you're in a, a semi-major city or even a, a, even a small city and you think there's 15, 20 of you are around and, and, you know, I think you'll be surprised to find that there are, uh, you know, just start reaching out and, and reach out to, to Everton FC and, and they'll, They'll definitely uh, set you on the path to, to getting together. And uh, whether you got a home bar or whether you're watching it at your house or Zooming, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to get together. What's the experience been like watching, uh, having your Zoom watch parties? So, so they've been, some of them, we've had some, some big participation on some matches. Other, other times we have a little bit lower uh, participation. Uh, trying to, uh, to at least sync up when it comes to uh who's watching at the same time so so you know th th sometimes with these streams it's there's a delay of, of two or three minutes between what if you're watching oh, no. on tv and if you're watching on and so so trying to determine where everybody is in the match so that you can conceal your celebration until everyone has seen the the goal or, or conceal your dread until everyone has seen the mistake uh and and that is i think that's been the uh, the most interesting thing about zooming to watch the match is it's just trying to figure out and then trying to contain yourself. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty bombastic person when it comes to that stuff. So a lot of times if, if something looks like it's coming up, I might turn off my screen or I might walk away just so that I, uh, I, don't, I don't ruin it for someone who's maybe a couple minutes behind. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know there's been times where I'm like, uh, I, I'm, uh, the, the Toffee Blues group has a, a, like a, a message group, right, where they chat back and forth. And i'll i'll be uh they're they're in england almost all of them be like me and and uh jacob in tennessee are like the only ones who are in america and so we're getting these these messages and I'll, often they are ahead and i'm getting these messages like a good like 30 seconds and i look up at my family i'm like something's about to happen i can tell i just got like five <laughs> messages something's about to happen you know, and so, but, but that's a whole different world when you're worried about spoilers for people that you're right. watching. And that's a different level of consideration. I'm not sure if most people are used to giving others. That's we try. <laughs> we try. And, and, you know, for me, I don't, I don't mind the spoilers. In fact, I get so nervous while I'm watching the matches that oftentimes I'll be updating Twitter again and again and again. 
hoping to see, you know, that something has happened in, in a minute or so, just uh, oh so I can gosh. assuage my nerves. So, <laughs> so it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, but I know some of the members of our group has been, uh, has been uh, critical of my ability to contain myself. So. <laughs> um, well, but the other cool thing about the Zooms though, uh, is, is having people who are not a part of our group who want to, who want to be a part of it. We've had uh, some folks from, from the Baltimore area. We've had some folks from over, over in, in the United Kingdom, um, we had, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just been cool to, to get a couple different people into the, the group who, who otherwise would just be watching it by themselves and think, you know what, I would like to talk this over with some other Evertonians while I'm watching it, so. So, so it's a situation where if, let's say, if you're having a Zoom watch party at, on the next match, you will be giving instructions about that on Twitter, and pretty much any Evertonian that wants to be a part of it can just get in there is that right absolutely any anybody who wants to to come on with us and, and we have a core group of normally two or three uh sometimes more but normally they can count on two or three of us being on and uh and and anyone else who wants to join is is absolutely more than welcome and we, we try to make that clear i don't like to just post the link out into the into the internet because you know i, I know people have had some issues with with zoom intruders oh that's a thing but uh <laughs> but yeah uh you know, so so we always try to say, look, if you want to be a part of it, DM us. We'll give you the details, and uh, and we do get we do get some interest. Uh, we do we do get you know occasionally people who who want to be a part of it who are from elsewhere in the country or elsewhere in the world. And there's a decent amount of people who are watching uh, by themselves in their house or in their apartment. You know, so uh, if you are one of those people and you want to have a you want to you want to have a little little crowd, little company. Uh, join up with these folks. That sounds really cool. And in fact, you've already, you wouldn't be the first to come into the group who is not necessarily from uh, the Cleveland area. So yeah. Or, you know, if you are from Cleveland, just saying, this is, this is the, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we talk about this stuff is to connect, trying to get everybody connected. This is, this is very cool, man. I did not, I did not realize all that. Um, Midwesterners are very friendly too. So you don't have to worry about us biting your head off or anything. We're, uh, all very nice people. <laughs> I, I found I found that out. I've been to Cleveland once. Uh, I, I had a, a, a I had a film shoot there. I had a video shoot there, and so I was I was in Cleveland once. I had a great time. I had a great time. And and and, and, and they were, fun city. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I had a really you know, and uh, I ate at this one place. It was like a microbrewery that had some of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. Is it called Fatheads? Fatheads, yes, very good. The, the head cow. sandwiches, yeah. My gosh that place was like my i was like i i desperately i desperately wanted it to be a chain so i could have one in north carolina that I, it was close by to me so good holy cow yeah, yeah. A great I, beer too great beer yeah the too. beer was that's incredible yeah i it was yeah so that was my favorite that was my favorite place that i visited in uh in cleveland that uh good good food good beer um yeah so anyway, yeah, sorry, I, I just I just remember that place and I, I got yeah. super excited. <laughs> it's worth uh, remembering. <laughs> <laughs> so so Jake, just to so we talked about the Cleveland Evertonian Sun. Let's talk about you. Um, let's talk about you. Uh, what do you do, by the way? What do you what is your what's your what's your Jake life? Yeah, so so I work for the state government here in Ohio, uh, as a kind of I do customer service for the state government basically. Uh, so that's yeah, and uh you know, I, I live here at my house uh, here in, in Northeast Ohio with my wife. I got two daughters, uh, mm -hmm. trying to raise them up to be to be Evertonians, although they're they're young and 
generally not super interested in sitting for 90 minutes yet. So hard. So yeah. hard for them. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, they, know so we support the, they know we support the blue team, so that's, that's a start. How old are they, by the way? How old? Uh, one is just about to turn one, and the other one is uh, three and a half. Oh, wow. They're younger than mine. See, mine are eight and five, and so my eight-year-old can watch almost a whole game now. Five-year-old, it's it's still tough. He'll watch yeah. <laughs> he'll watch certain moments. If you say, "Hey, Turner, watch this," he'll turn around and come in and watch this one little part. But yeah, to get him to sit for a while, a stretch. But I will say, we're a, we have this unique opportunity, Jake, to just brainwash the hell out of them, and it's great. It's so great. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one. It's one of the coolest things. It's like ah. Oh, there's these little humans, and I get to tell them about all the cool stuff. <laughs> it's so great. Keep uh, to all the not cool stuff. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Jake, let's talk about you, the Evertonian. How are you an Everton supporter? Uh, so, so Tim Howard. I think for most for most Americans around my age, they they can point to Tim Howard as as one of the big reasons that they support Everton. Uh, I think after. After the 2010 World Cup, I decided that I wanted to, to follow soccer more closely and, uh, and and didn't really do a great job of doing it, didn't really pick a team, just kind of said, oh, I'll watch it when it's on TV. Uh, after the 2014 World Cup, I said, no, I, it's got to happen this time. And so uh, me, and a, me and a friend did some research to decide who we wanted to support. And we were like, well, we don't want to be front runners. And we don't want to, we also don't want to, you know, we want to make sure we support someone who's going to be around. Um, and so... You know, we kept coming back to Tim Howard and, and Everton and uh, and then researching the club from, from there, uh, you know, seeing, you know, it uh, it being, you know, the, uh, you know, a club with another club in the city and, uh, you know, maybe having like, like Cleveland, like the Browns do having a rival that, uh, that you know, uh, does a little bit better than they do all the time, um, you know, that, uh, that kind of, I think that kind of pulled pulled me in. And then once I started watching matches and communicating with other Evertonians, it felt like, no, this is this was the only answer, uh, the only club that I could have supported. It, it, it felt very natural, and uh, you know, the community is, is very welcoming. And uh, for the most part, you don't you get some of the support your local folks, but uh, but when there's not a local around necessarily for you to support with any real gusto, uh, I guess you know people give you a pass. So. <laughs> What's the closest thing to a local you have, by the way, for a team-wise? Uh, Cleveland SC is in uh, in one of the, the lower-tier USL leagues. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of the – if there was a local, that's the local that I support. I, I go to their matches uh, when I can. The, uh, the guy who owns the team is actually an Evertonian, so, uh, so happy to support him when we can. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so – that's that's the local, and I do support. Uh, if you look over here on the wall, you can see my Cleveland SC scarf. Sweet. Uh, so I am a, <laughs> I am a supporter. I do support my local. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's tough because the closest thing we have to a local is a is the college team, the local college team, Wake Forest, and so yeah. Oh geez, yeah, the too. zips. Yeah, we have the that zips. too. So that is, they uh, are, they another... are, they're good. Yeah, Every year well, they're good. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and we've got some names that are, that are really big in, in, in the game. I mean, we've got, uh, 
DeAndre Yedlin, a big one that, that people often think about. Uh, Darlington Nagby, Nagby. Trapp. Yep. Um, you know, those guys are all those guys are all zips, and there's and there's many more in the. I mean, mostly in MLS guys who who are, are really solid MLS players who probably aren't going to support. You know, who aren't going to represent the country and who aren't necessarily going to to go and play overseas or anything like that. But they're they're great players, and uh, you know, we're really proud of DeAndre Yedlin. That's for sure. Akron came to Winston like two or three years ago to play Wake Forest in the NCAA tournament and mm. ended up, I think they beat us 1-0. I think it was 1-0, and they got like, I feel like they got an early goal and just held tight the whole rest of the time. And Wake was just trying to connect passes, trying to cut, cut, like cut, cut through, and they could not get through. It was Akron absolutely broke my children's hearts that day, just so you know. <laughs> it is, uh, it, so it, it's really interesting, the, the style of play that they play with. Uh, you know, when Caleb Porter was the coach, uh, it, was, it was very Barcelona-esque. It was death by a thousand mm. passes. It was, it was maintaining all that possession and beating teams, you know, three, four to zero. Uh, with the, the new coach, uh, they do play a little bit more defensive. And uh, and there's been, I mean look they've made runs to the to the college final four uh, and, and done done really well. Uh, this year was a little bit of a down year uh, or last last year I guess this year there hasn't really been, been much of a season so um, but uh, but you can always count on them being back. It's always impressive how well they're able to recruit from around the world guys from Germany guys from uh, you know from England from Jamaica. Uh, it's it's been really really fun to to watch them. That was another big part of my soccer soccer awakening was going to Akron and going to those games yeah yeah definitely get that that's how a lot of us get into it is our local local university college teams for sure um so getting back to everton uh your favorite everton goal your favorite everton match hmm. no. oh okay um so i think the, the average when i think about my favorite everton goal uh, it tends to come back. You get me okay? My, yeah, my yeah, story. you're good now. You, I lost you for a second. Um, you're back. My, okay. Okay. Uh, I think my favorite Everton goal, uh, I keep coming back to this one, and I'm not sure why, but it was a, a, a late winner against Newcastle, I think. I think it was Tom headed it just at the, it was the last. The Tom Cleverly header? I think that's uh, that's probably mine. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the one that comes to mind the most for me. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know why, but whenever I think about uh, my favorite Everton goals, I always just think about the uh, the relief, right? The uh, the elation and the relief from that goal, and I think that goal was one of those. Um, the really how it feels to be an Evertonian and really uh, in that kind of moment where you've you've given up on the match and you're you're like, yeah, this is Newcastle, really, and then and you get that that late winner. Uh, my favorite Everton game is probably the Chelsea FA Cup tie where Ron Lukaku just bossed the game. Um, I think it was a 2-0, uh, and, and Lukaku just just made Chelsea look really bad. Um, Everton dominated that game from beginning to end. I think that was the quarterfinal game, so it sent us to, to Wembley. And uh, I think that's, that's probably my favorite game memory. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a really good one. I think it was Lukaku looking good in like tight space on the left flank for one of his goals. It was very nice. He, oh. he turned, uh, who was it? He just turned the defender. Like, I mean, just 
I can't even I can't even describe it. He uh, he just just left the defender behind him and and and, and scored. The, I think that was his second. And uh, you know I, I think he really showed himself to be uh, a, a top class player then. When before people were like, yeah, this guy maybe is just like a like a uh, you know a, a small track champion, but in that game he, he showed what he's what he's truly capable of. Yeah, that was a massive game for him. Yeah. Um, so, uh, who's your favorite current player? Uh, my favorite current player is Seamus Coleman. Uh, always, always been a big fan of uh, of Seamus, just because uh, you can tell that he's, you know, he's not the the, the most skilled for the or the most athletic player on the team, not the fastest, not the strongest. <clears throat> but, but I don't know if generally you ever see if he's on the pitch, you never see anybody working harder than Seamus Coleman tracking back, bombing forward, yep. you know, I think the the play that comes to mind when I think about the kind of player he is, is in his first match back uh, after the leg break against Leicester City, he just made this run down the, in like the, must have been the 85th minute of the game, uh, this run down the, you know, down the side, uh, and, and, you know, this is a guy who's literally his first game back from a, from a complete, you know, leg yeah. snapping in half incident, and he's still... Uh, willing to give it all in the 85th minute. No one expects that. No one, no one thinks about uh, about doing that. But he, uh, he, it's like without a second thought. And I think he's a great ambassador for the club, just as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I think he really embodies what it means to be an Everton captain. I know we'd all love a captain who, you know, who's uh, maybe a little louder and more bombastic. But uh, you know, I also think that that you see a different Seamus Coleman on the pitch than you do. He's, you know, he's a kind of a quiet guy off the pitch, but uh, but on the pitch you can hear him talking, especially in the empty stadiums. You can hear him uh, hear him going at guys on the other team, and uh, and I really I really get a kick out of that too. Yeah, his high pitched shriek when he wants the ball is great. <laughs> yeah. And and just him uh, him going after the West Brom player after. Oh after he got sent off, that was, uh, you know, calling was asking, oh, you're a hard man, huh? Big, big, tough guy. Huh? You can do it again. Uh, and that, uh, you know, I just, just really enjoy that. I think because, uh, you know, I tend to be a pretty quiet person, you know, outside of competition. But like when I even, if you put me on a, any game pitch, if you put me on a, on a tennis court or on a soccer, a soccer pitch or, uh, you know, ping pong table, whatever it is, I, I can get a little bit, uh, Okay, cool. I, what's interesting, I was actually about to ask the, the, the question I always ask, which is slightly different, but maybe your answer is the same, is which Everton player from the past or now, uh, if your personality was a player, which one of those players is, is Jake Altman? And it, it's interesting. I think it's probably... I think it's probably Seamus. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like, which is which is kind of cool that yours is actually a current player because uh, not a, a, hardly anyone's has been. So that's that is a, yeah, very cool. So my last question has very little to do with Everton potentially, uh, Jake, and I, I've started doing this selfishly. This is my new selfish thing, Jake. What are you an expert of, and how can I learn oh. from you? What am I an expert on and how can you learn from me? You know, sometimes it's like somebody's a big music fan, so they give me a really good lead on like a, on a, uh, on an album or a band that I haven't listened to, or maybe they're, I know uh, we had someone who's a bartender who told me like an awesome idea for an awesome drink that sounded amazing. So yeah. And so, yeah, I I was giving advice about my teeth. 
Oh, <laughs> I need to do that. Um, I would say that uh, probably probably books. If if you're looking for book recommendations, especially uh, old old books, classics that, that maybe aren't necessarily on the uh, on the high school reading list, uh, that I think that's probably uh, probably what I know the most about. I guess. I, really? I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, big, so big like any any particular genre or are you thinking like non-genre kind of stuff um i mean i i'll read just about anything you put in front of me but uh i, I think what i found to be my favorite is uh is kind of the french uh romance period is where i, I get the most joy out of books so what i'm talking about is victor hugo and alexander dumas uh, authors like that that's i i can read i can read victor hugo over and over and over again um, so that's, that's, again, if I'm an expert in anything, it's, it's Victor Hugo. <laughs> okay. Okay. So give me your favorite Victor Hugo that I need to read this year. Oh, okay. Um, or, or soon into next year, because it's just short and going away. I won't, I will, I'll give you a, a Dumas because it's my favorite book if you've never read it before. And it's The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, I've read it. I oh, you've read, read it. Okay, well, yeah. that is my favorite book. Uh, I, I bought in... I bought that two years ago and read it because okay. everybody told me I needed to read it. So, yes. So, yeah. give me another one. All right. Let's see. I'm trying to look over here at my, my shelf to see if I can't. I think the thing about those books is that they're a little bit mainstream, right? So, a lot of them are, are fairly popular. If you've got 800 pages worth of patience, uh, Les Miserables, very good. If you mm -hmm. you know if you've seen the musical or anything like that, uh, that's the basis of the musical. But but there's right. a whole lot of book there, and there's a whole lot of commentary on on the French Revolution and on France in general at the time. Uh, uh, and it's it's just really uh, it's really compelling stuff. And if, if if you've got again if you've got 800 pages worth of French romance patience, uh, that's it's definitely worth your time. <laughs> I, I I've usually got the, the, the patience uh, to get through uh, just because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, gosh, how many like long like fantasy books have I read? You know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, and, and they're like a good, you know, 400 pages longer than it should be kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so I can typically get through. So I'll, I'll work on them as I've seen, I saw the, the film, I guess it's the, the Hooper, uh, adaptation uh or is it Hopper? i'm trying to remember uh the 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 one with it, all i know is if huge as long as hugh jackman is not singing <laughs> in this i'm gonna i'm gonna be a, a lot better off you know i think now, one, of the, one of the funniest things about hugh jackman is that hugh jackman in his very core is like an old-timey song and dance man whose <laughs> whose career was hijacked for a decade by x-men right? like, <laughs> like he like he he plays a very good Wolverine, but like at his core, and you can see it now because now he goes on tour singing, you know, doing yep. like sing song shows and stuff like that. And he was in the Greatest Showman and and Les Mis. Like at his core, that's that's what he, that's who he is. That's who he wants to be. And we 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 really distracted him for for a decade, forcing him to play this invincible X Man mutant. Uh, <laughs> I think that's uh. It was Tom Hooper. As, as, yeah. I, I, okay. Is that the uh, is that the the, the most recent? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, that was just one of those where I was I, I I think I saw it in the theater. I don't remember why, but I saw it in the theater, 
that happened. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I've seen that one. I've also seen the, the stage production uh, mm-hmm. two or three times and, and I would recommend the stage production. <laughs> I bet you would. You seem like you would. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm actually, I'm usually a bigger fan of source material anyway. Um, you know, uh, often anyway. Uh, so yeah, I would love to, love to check that out. That's great. Yeah. Well, oh, I have a buddy who's a big fan of the exact same uh, era, the exact same, you know, so he's, tearing through his Dumas as well. So yeah, man, it's, that's funny that you had, that's your thing. Very cool. All right. So a little bit of a, a, a literature uh, tangent. We got there. It happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now friends, it's uh, time to discuss uh, what happened this weekend. So we're going to put our intro behind us. We now know Jake Altman, Jake, welcome. So let's talk about Fulham. Uh, so, in, in case you uh, had been under a rock, uh, we won. It happened. We, we won. We got the three points. Uh, crazy little three-two uh, win. That was the most bizarre roller coaster ever. Um, yeah. So, here's a few. Here's some topics that maybe can jog your brain, uh, Jake. Just to get you, you can grab onto one of those or come up with whatever you want. Um, so. Topics I've got written down, just some, some talking points. That formation, three in the back, slash four in the back formation. Uh, the goals, because they were pretty. Um, Iwobi as a right wing back, what? And playing well, what? Uh, the second half, which was kind of a, huh? Um, a Tom Davies sighting that, that was not bad. And a little discussion of the defense, as in what is going on there. So, where do you want to go? You got any of those, or do you got a new one? Yeah, I think, well, I'll start, because I think this one answers three or four of the questions, is is the formation. Mm. Um, I think it was interesting to see the formation change, especially considering that we had everybody back and healthy, other than than Seamus Coleman. I guess I kind of figured that they just fought John Joe Kenny and it right back, and, and just keep doing what they what they do. So I was a little surprised to see three uh, three at the back, and I was also surprised to see that that the third at the back was uh, was not Mason Holgate. Right. Uh, it was uh, it was Godfrey instead, who you know I think I think acquitted himself pretty well. But I think the issue is that we don't the the three at the back just doesn't seem to suit our defenders either because they're not used to it or because it's just not not the way they're wired. And I think especially it. it it does Yeri Mina wrong. Um, and I think every time we've seen Yeri Mina play in a back three, uh, I, I come back to uh, the match, was it last season? or I think it was the, the Newcastle match two seasons ago where, uh, where Marco Silva decided to go three at the back at the end of the match and brought Yeri Mina on, and it was just all sixes and sevens immediately. Like, as, soon as, as soon as he switched to three at the back, Newcastle started, started coming after us, and I think we lost that match three to two. Um, that was the match where Jordan Pickford made the penalty save and, and harassed the Newcastle players and then proceeded to give up three goals. Um, so that was awful. That, that was so yeah. awful. <laughs> I think every, every time we play three at the back, especially involving Yuri Mina in that, he just seems to kind of lose his way and he gets caught out. And I, I think, to be honest, I think Godfrey and Michael Keane looked, looked pretty good. Uh, I think it was Yuri Mina who was really the weak link on, on 
certainly their first goal and maybe their second goal as well. Mm. Uh, I did like Iwobi at right wing back, uh, although anytime you, you're playing someone who's not a natural defender at that position, uh, you run the risk of, of what happened with, uh, I think, their second goal where, where he was he was in front of the cross but wasn't able to block it. Right. Uh, maybe that was the first one. Um, and, you know, that just comes with not being a defender, right, and not mm. knowing necessarily – how to position your body to stop crosses. I think if you've got Seamus Coleman over there, that cross doesn't come in at all. Um, and I think the other issue that I have with that formation is that we don't just we don't necessarily seem to have the the ability in the midfield to to get the ball from the back. What what tends to happen is when we get under pressure in that formation, uh, Yerry Mina will will kind of shank a clearance. And you need your when you need a midfielder to pick the ball up and just take it out, get it away, and and we don't seem to have that that ball carrying midfielder, uh, and we haven't really had that for for a long time. Having that uh, that true number eight, almost, uh, you know, I always come back to the person who who did it well for us, who now everyone despises, is Ross Barkley. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that that you plug Ross Barkley in and suddenly this team is a lot better. I am saying that, that Ross Barkley is a hole that we have not filled in three seasons. Mm. You know, we've, we've tried different combinations in the midfield. We've got a, we've got a lot of midfielders who are, we've got two number tens in Sigurdsson and, and James Rodriguez. We've got a bunch of number sixes, number eight combos. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we have a true number six in Allen. We have a six, eight combo in, in, uh, in Decore and, I don't really know what exactly it is that Tom Davis does well. Uh, I know I don't generally like when they bring him on because exactly that. I don't know uh, what he's do- I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what role they bring him on to play. Uh, and I think if we had somebody who was able to to take care of that link up play, who was able to to be the guy who picks up the ball when Yerry Mina shanks the clearance and and just take it, just just run thirty yards and get us out of get us out of trouble. Uh, or even just get the ball out to Richarlison or get the ball out to Hamas Rodriguez, uh, I think we'd look a lot better. Um, I just I don't know who that player is. I don't think they're on the I don't think they're on the, the team at the moment. Um, I think the closest thing we have to it is is Decore, and I just don't know that he's got the the ability to carry the ball that that they need for that for that formation. Yeah, I think the way you were describing it, I think he was the closest that I could think of. Uh, he's he's definitely got the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, I think the only thing I could, I would worry about is any of the close ball control. Um, yeah. cause yeah. And that, that's where I think it would, he would kind of fall down a little bit. Um, but, uh, it's an interesting thing, what you're, what you're asking here. Uh, cause I do think, you know, Tom, Tom Davies, what he does, uh, we've seen him carry the ball in the past, but he just doesn't have a lot of pace. Uh, that's kind of, that's where it's almost like you need a combination of Tom Davis and Decore. You need a, you need to bring some of Decore's pace and Tom Davis's uh, control and maybe hit and, and Davis, his decision-making has not been the best either for a position, a person in that position. Uh, he has a tendency to be a little bit rash with, uh, with his passes, especially trying to thread the needle repeatedly, giving that ball away. You see him make a lot of passes that nearly get to a really brilliant, but it, it just giving the ball away. It's too, it's, 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 it's almost like too ambitious. Um, so trying to figure out how to be able to actually ex- execute those. 
Uh, he's Davis, an interesting player. Sorry, go ahead. With, with Davis, it, it's always – it's either he's trying to thread the needle, trying to be too aggressive, or he's or he's passing it back to Michael Keane from, from the halfway line, right? Like getting <laughs> to the halfway line and then turning with to, turning his back to goal and firing it all the way back. Uh, and and that I – mean, we, we get we have plenty of that already with, with Gilfie Sigurdsson, and we had that with, 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 with Mo Schneiderlin, right? We don't – we don't need that. We, we're trying to get rid of, of that tendency. We, you know, we want to yeah. keep the ball moving forward. And uh, and I think when Tom Davis has the confidence to try to play those balls, uh, you know, if he could just connect with them, yeah, uh, you know, they, he would he would be pretty good. Um, what what do I you feel like? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was I was gonna ask. What do you feel like Tom Davis's role is like in that match? Um, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just trying to catch it on yeah. on the moment because I was really curious his because it seemed like he filled his role pretty you know a little bit better, a little bit more of a natural fit there. Energy, I think, was his role. I think I think the team looked tired. I think mm-hmm. that that what you bring Tom Davis on in that situation is is for for just the just the spark, right? Just you know this guy's going to run around. He's going to he's going to harry he's going to harry defenders and and just kind of. Uh, just kind of give you a little bit of, of extra, extra push for the for the last minutes of the game that you're not going to get from these guys who have tired legs. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's I suppose that's what I see when you bring Tom Davis on. That's really the only reason I can think to to bring him on is because he gives you the 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 kind of punch of, of energy that maybe you're looking for. Uh, you know, he's not the most skillful player, but. But he's uh, he's certainly going to put a tackle in, right? He's he's good for probably a, a tackle that that should be a yellow card just about every time he's on the pitch, um, and 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 there's a there's a reason to have that at times. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us get frustrated by Tom Davis because um, he just kind of is he has like the chicken with his head cut off thing, where he's just running around like his hair is on fire, not uh, not necessarily adding anything other than just being a nuisance. Uh, to the other team, and that is that is needed sometimes. But sometimes you need your midfielder to to do something other than just you know just break up play. So it's interesting. I, it's funny. I was going to ask you if his role was to annoy, and you said nuisance right there. And it seems like uh, it, we just have a little bit of trouble getting uh, creativity out of him. And uh, if I mean, if, and let's be honest the often the third spot is where we that third spot across the center mid is where we would need him and uh we're not really getting a lot of creativity out of any of the players who have been filling that third spot you know andre gomez not much uh gilfi not much um and i mean who else are we talking about i mean i i realized like yeah i mean that's that's really it. We don't. We just kind of. Uh, we don't really have anyone who's filling that third center mid role. Uh, they're all kind of, you know, just kind of one step away from exactly pieces, what we need. Yeah. They're pieces of the perfect midfielder, but they're not. Uh, you know, I think. I think you look at a guy. We've tried a Wobie at that position, and he mm-hmm. just doesn't seem to to function very well in it. Uh, you know, I think Bernard would fit if he was a couple of inches taller, just a little bigger. Uh, he just doesn't have the ability to 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 maintain possession when he's in the crowd, right? He's he's just he's just too small to play the role. Um, you know, if if we could get him, uh, I think I think the the bottom line for me is if 
we either need to pick somebody up who can play that position or we need to pick up a legit right winger so that Hamas Rodriguez can play that position. Mm. Uh, I don't know that Hamas Rodriguez is the perfect fit, but I think if you, I think if you move Hamas Rodriguez to, to a true number 10 role, you can kind of move Decore and Allen into a, almost a double pivot. And then you can play a true right winger on the right wing. We, there is no, there is no right winger on this, on this roster. We, we loaned one to, to Southampton. Um, yeah. You know, we, we sold one to, Red Bull Leipzig a couple of years ago, and he doesn't look very good. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know what we had with Anthony Gordon, but I think he's a left-sided player anyway. Uh, so, so we just don't even have that. We don't have anyone who plays that position, and we're just plugging in guys who belong on the other side, or we're plugging in Hamas Rodriguez, who can do what he does anywhere on the pitch and be effective. Um, but if we had a true right winger, I think you could see that formation become more of like a like a three one two four, uh, mm. where where he's uh, where Hamas is is playing off the striker and he's able to to influence every side of the pitch um, and make those runs into the box and score more goals. Yeah, it's interesting that we've shifted to that four three three or predominantly four three three for this season uh, because it's you know Hamas playing that third part of the first three, you know, instead of the wing of the second three. <laughs> uh, it's almost, I just don't know if he can do the running required at this time. Uh, I feel like it's, we need him with minimal defensive responsibilities. So it's what you were saying. I think you're right. It would necessitate a, a formation shift and just uh, realigning the, the expectations and, you know, making it more of a 4-2, you know, 3-1 or something like that where you actually have a, a 10 who's playing a 10. Um, that's tough. It's tough because, you know, we, we've – so we, we do this shift of formation against Fulham. Uh, do we do it because Seamus Coleman is hurt and because we're tr- – uh, and we're thinking, okay, this is the best move for our defense – or do we do it because, oh, this is a this is we're going to base our change on the opposition, and you know what I mean? Like it's would, it's kind I of a weird think, scenario, you know. I would I would hate to think that they they changed to a more defensive formation for Fulham. For Fulham, right? Um, is it because but, they're so worried about our <laughs> defense? I mean, but the then, defense has been been poor. Yeah. Um, I guess my so what this tells me is that is that John Joe Kenny they don't view John Joe Kenny as an answer at right back, um, which is, in my opinion, the right decision. I, I don't I don't see him ever being the level that that we need him to be, and I think that speaks to uh, continued development issues within within the club. Mm-hmm. How we get all these what what we talk about in baseball is as four A players, right? These guys who are way too good for Triple A but just are never going to be good enough for the big league squad. And we have Everton is the, the king of creating those guys, of creating those, those four, eight players. And I, I mean, I look at a guy like Tom Davis, uh, who is, who is, I mean, you, if you drop Tom Davis, I mean, you see it, they, you know, the U23s or the U21s play Tom Davis uh, for England and he, and he looks incredible. Mm. Uh, you know, the, you know, John Joe Kinney, you drop him in those situations, or if you played John Joe Kinney with, uh, with in somewhere with, with, Unsworth or 
or, or elsewhere, uh, he, he looks very good. He looks, he looks on the pace, but as soon as you put him on the, on the Premier League pitch, he just, he just doesn't seem to have it. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think the, I think management doesn't see Kenny as an answer. And so they're kind of scrambling. I think they probably should have added a right back in the summer. Um, because Seamus Coleman is just at a point in his career where you just, you just can't count on him. You can't, you can't count. I mean, I don't, when was the last time Seamus Coleman played a full season? I, I can't remember. Um, and the thing is when he plays, usually he gives you good game, good game, good game, good game. And then there's some, it's either an injury or he just has a, a little falter, which is, it's not through, through I mean, it's just, guy is just getting older. And it's just the way it is, you know, and that's why, I mean, that's why we were talking about this last week, man. And the, the situation is frustrating that, that we make a move to keep John Joe Kenny. But, you know, during the summer we'd say, okay, we're going to keep him. Right. Unless someone pays us what we think we deserve for him. And so we, we make a move to, to keep him, which is a bold bluff. If it's a bluff, right. Because then you're not covered at a really valuable position. If you don't actually trust him, I was sitting there last week. We were talking about this. The solution had to be John Joe Kinney. They obviously trusted him, right? But then they do this huge formation shift against Fulham. It makes you think, no, they don't trust him. Yeah. And it's very, it, it's a little agitating. You know what I mean? Because well, I, I was hoping that they believed in him. And that's why we kept right. him. That's why they gave him that jersey. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Well, and there's, there's, I think it also tells you that they don't necessarily believe in a couple other players too, because there's other players who can play that position who have played that position. True. Uh, you know, tells you maybe they don't, I think with Mason Holgate, it's a fitness issue. I think he's not quite fit. I would um, agree with that too. Um, I think with, I think Tom Davis is another guy that, that you could naturally slide into that position because he plays with energy and, and that's, that's what you need at that position. Obviously you need someone who can defend, but, but Tom Davis can defend well enough. And, uh, and maybe that's a position where you can kind of hide him a little bit, where you can use his ability that he does have, and you can kind of hide his, his flaws at that, at that position. Um, you know, just ask him to, to be a nuisance and, and be in the way. I mean, how many teams, I can think of uh, a lot of teams. I think of Southampton, uh, who's got, uh, I, think it's, I think it's their left back, the guy who's just a nuisance whenever he plays against Everton. I can't remember his name now. Is it, I think Redmond's the winger. The Redmond other, is their winger. Ryan Bertrand's their left back. You Ryan Bertrand, yes. He's yeah. he's just like he's not a particularly skillful player. He's not a particularly good defender. He's just a nuisance. He's he's always a problem. Yeah. And uh and, and I think you could you could have Tom Davis play that role. Um but I so I think that tells you that they don't you know, they look at Tom Davis and they say, Well, no, we don't really like you there. They look at Mason Holgate and maybe he's not fit. And so they're plugging in a guy who plays left midfielder generally at right wing back and that I mean, I think that really is kind of a kind of a, 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 a look into the state of, of that back line, of, of specifically that right back position. Uh, and I wonder if if uh, if Kyle John, who's the, the next man up, allegedly, right. um, he's hurt now. But I wonder if he was if he was healthy, if we'd even be we'd be seeing him over John Joe Kenny right now. Um, I don't know if we would or not. It's you know, I don't. Yeah. Hard, it would it'd be hard to imagine that the fact that we. Gosh, it makes me. It also made me wonder if John Joe Kenny is is a little injured, and we didn't realize that either. You know Maybe what I mean? he is still. He might still be carrying that that injury from from the FA Cup, I suppose. Yeah. Um, or from the, the League Cup match. Um, you know, I hadn't really considered that. That's possible. 
uh, I still don't see how, again, I don't see how that necessitates an entire formation change, I would, a completely yeah. drastic shift to, to a formation that, that I don't believe that, that Carlo is, is all that known for running that kind of formation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, it is interesting to see that they would, they would make that change. And it makes me wonder also, not only about the right back position, but if they're, if they're seeing the same thing that we're seeing in the midfield where they just don't have the guy that they need yeah. to, to play that other midfield position. And so let's just eliminate that position and use Decore and, uh, and, and Allen instead. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, uh, again, it just, it just necessitates uh, some, some wheeling and dealing in the transfer market for, yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know. I don't know that we're going to get that in the winter. I think this is kind of what we're what we're looking at until the summer. Yeah, yeah I can't imagine uh, unless we try to pull off some loans uh, or loan with an obligation to buy later on, kind of an IOU, if you will. Uh, yeah. Uh, very weird. The formation thing threw me off. I was happy to see some experimentation on it. You know, to avoid being stale avoid feeling stale and i was like okay well that's thinking outside the box a little bit to solve a problem uh i like that um what do you think i think this is maybe the last little bit uh on the fulham match what do you think is uh the main culprit for us kind of uh looking so stagnant in the second half was it their adjustments that they made to our formation or was it an energy thing where we had we had that two goal lead and that's always the crap lead to have because it makes you feel super secure. Right. I think there was a little bit of that. Uh, I do think that we looked vulnerable in the first half as well, though. I think that at times, they, at times they looked just as vulnerable, if not more vulnerable in the first half. Um, you know, I think when it comes back to a lot, a lot of times when we watch this kind of same thing play out for Everton is it's the continued and you can, it's just the con- the continued issues of of, of game management and, and mental toughness and just keeping yourself in the game. Uh, I think that that a lot of these guys are kind of the same guys that we've seen do this for two, three, four years, mm-hmm. and then we're surprised when when we change the manager or when we we add Hamas Rodriguez and the defenders still you know have these late game lapses. Um, you know, it's still the same guys. You know, we're high on them right now because we're having a good season so far, uh, or, or we, we were having a great season and things have kind of kind of come off the rails a little bit, but obviously getting three points against Fulham gets us back on track. Um, but, but I think it's the same, you know, we are running out pretty much the same back line as we were last season and for parts of the season before that. And so when you're doing that, uh, you're going to see a lot of the same results. And I think basically uh, they got the two goal lead and, and, people started to get a little tired and maybe Carlo waited a little bit too long to freshen things up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, Fulham is already in a position where they're playing for survival. Uh, and anytime you're playing against a team like Fulham, especially at their home ground, even though there's no fans there, it's still, I mean, we lost to Fulham away uh, two years ago. Uh, I think we lost to Fulham away the last time they were in the Premier League before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a tough place to play. And, uh, you know, they get, they get going and, uh, you know, and they've got some skillful players. I mean, I, as soon as they brought on uh, Mitrovic, I was convinced that like, this is the guy, like this is, this is exactly the guy who always does it. Uh, and, and uh, I was told that he's never scored against Everton, which blows my mind. Yeah. 
because he, he seems I feel like I've, I feel like I've watched Mitrovic score those late those late equalizers many times but I guess it just must be I must be imagining his face on some other similar striker's body um, you know but but I think I, I do think it comes back to just just Carlo continuing to to instill mental toughness and frankly continuing to to pull the weeds to to get the people who who have those mental toughness issues uh, whoever they are right whoever it is I don't I don't have a name there's not like a specific player that I'm that I'm calling out here but but if if we can kind of diagnose like this is the reason why we continue having these lapses then it, then you gotta 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 replace that person with somebody else um, and we've seen them improve on that under Carlo but we still see it every now and then like we saw it against Newcastle away like like we saw it against Arsenal last late last season, um, mm-hmm. where where you know they score a goal and then they immediately concede, uh, or you know the other team misses a penalty and then you immediately concede. Um, those those things, it's just an, just an issue of focus and mental toughness, and it's got to be just got to be fixed. However, you can fix it. And one hopes that the more you grind out, the more success you have when you do grind it out you start, you stop like assuming the worst every time. You kind of start building a little vat of experience. You build a catalog and you're like, you know what? Last week we played like crap second half and we grounded out and we still got the three points. It builds that confidence to, to be able to look back and prove and say, you know what? We did this last week. It's okay. We've been good in a team. similar situation, you know, learn from it. Good, good teams win their clunkers, right? They, you yeah. gotta, you, they find a way. Uh, you know, good teams have have bad games and they still win, and it and it makes you angry when you're watching it as a neutral. When you're watching uh, Manchester City play terrible for 90 minutes, or or the, the the other lot across the park play terrible for 90 minutes and still get the three points, right? Still get the get the 90 second minute winner. Um, you know yeah. that that's infuriating, but but that's that's what good teams do. Yeah, and uh, and I think we. I think Everton proved that they are they are a good team by by winning that game. I think they they are uh, a good side, and uh, you know I think past Everton sides would have would have drawn that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even lost it. Maybe I mean, how many times have we seen that exact that exact scenario play out against Bournemouth or against Newcastle or uh, put in um, Omar, put in Omar Nias up by. You know, put him, put him in late, and all of a sudden we lose. It's <laughs> yeah, that's we've seen it. We have, you know, <laughs> just to say we we have seen that. So I mean, so when you when that game was finished, were you were you feeling? Where did you have a positive positive reaction to the the end of that game, or were you more just ticked off? It was close. I think that at first, as time has gone on, I've I've felt a lot better about it. Um, I think my initial response was, was we've gotten away with one here. And, mm. you know, I would hope that the locker room isn't, isn't elated. I would hope that they're not walking into the locker room like, yeah, job done. Right. Yeah. I would hope that they, they're having an introspective conversation with themselves where they're like, we, we did not deserve to, to take three points from this game. Mm. Uh, and if not for, if not for Richarlison being the machine that drives this team, if we had to go another match without Richarlison here, I think Fulham probably would have taken us apart. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's troubling uh, when you try to think of like the long-term success of this team is that Richarlison's not always going to be healthy and he's not always going to be available for the reasons that we've seen 
uh, in the past. He he has a little yeah. bit of a hot head. So uh, if we, when he plays, you can see that this is a good side. And then, but you saw for three matches when he doesn't play, uh, this side is 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 a is a mid table side. Fewer ideas for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I finished – honestly, going into that game, I thought, I just want three points. I'm fine with grinding it out based on where we're at right now. We've had some poor results, some not great performances in that stretch. And I, and, and I, I said before the game started, I said, I think it'll be a 2-1 win, and I'm fine with it. And I do – and I am. I am. I, I'm a little bit – was a little bummed that we didn't sit there and just dazzle second half the way we did some of that beautiful football that we showed in the first half. Yeah. But at the same time, grind it out. Let's, Job let's done. get it. Let's get another streak going, you know, yep. you know, it, it, do whatever you have to. We're not a deep squad. Let's just get three points, how we get three points and freaking keep the ball rolling, please. So yeah. Get out of town, get out of town with everybody healthy. Yes. The other goals. Absolutely. Get out of that game. Get out of that game without anybody picking up any knocks. We, we can't we can't be missing guys. And these days, no red cards. Yeah. yeah. There's that too. All right. So I think we're ready to move on from Fulham. That's three points. Season's in sixth right now. Not the worst thing. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, mailbag. We're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire mailbag. I have all of the uh, – these are from Instagram. And because there are so many, we're going to rapid fire this. All right. So are you, <laughs> yeah, are you ready, Jake? Let's go. Okay. Brindo EFC asks, who do you want, Isco or Milik? Isco. I agree, Isco. Uh, COYB Graham uh, asks, are there many Everton supporters in the U.S.? Tons. Uh, way more than you'd think, and uh, Evertonians are by nature uh, quieter people, I find, and so you're not going to see them. Uh, you're not going to see them uh, posting, uh, you know, some four-letter meaningless acronym about a stupid show tune uh, every time that their team is playing. Uh, but we're out here, and uh, and if you look for us, uh, <laughs> we're all over the place. Just talking about YMCA by the Village People. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> That's, That's what he's one, talking yeah. about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and, and an amendment to that, I will say, there are a lot more Everton supporters than you would expect, but still there's so much work to be, to be done to unearth more. So much more. So many more people don't realize that this is the club that they would identify with if they knew more about it. I think, I mean, there's, there's people who are waiting to be, I mean, there's people who identify as Everton supporters who are waiting to be activated. Yes. And, uh, sometimes, sometimes Great the way club to say that. more. Uh, and and yeah, as they say, right? I mean, Evertonians are born; they're not manufactured. So it's not like you know, uh, we're already they're already here. You know, they just need to have that button push. Whether it's whether it's by Everton having an American player on the team again, which I am long always making calls for. I don't, you know, there's there are Everton or there are American players around the world who who could improve Everton, and uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think Everton should be <laughs> I'm biased, but I think they should be aggressive in going after those guys. Uh, mm. and and I also think that just being here, spending time here, uh, having making it so that our apparel is available on the shelves yes. here, 
all those things will help. And, and Helmo is really helping us move in the right direction there. Fully agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we could talk about that one for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the ultimate right. American Evertonian question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this is another ISCO question from Cody Corns. Uh, what do you think about ISCO? Would he be a good signing? My heart says yes and my head says no, so I'm going to go with yes. Uh, I think that he could be the guy who plugs into that, that role that I was talking about earlier. He can carry the ball forward. Either that or you, or you can switch him around with, uh, with Thomas Rodriguez. I think they're very similar players. Mm. Yeah, I I think uh, you sign a player like Isco when you have the opportunity, and it's all we are still building a squad. That's my main thing. Let's build a squad. Let's get some depth. And do you have to start every single good player you have every game? No. You know, anytime you have the ability to sign starting players, you know, players who have maybe they're not starting now, but players who have started for a club like Real Madrid, you 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 probably ought to sign that guy. That's yeah. Yeah, I, I think we would find a way to make that a good signing. Let's put it that way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, MWEFC asks, do you think we still need a, uh, a center back now that we have Mina, Keane, Godfrey, Holdgate, et cetera? I guess yeah. that's leaving out Branthwaite as well, right? Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm happy with the, with the center back room at the moment. Um, and I agree. You know, I think we can't, we can't allow ourselves to believe that, that form, is, form is temporary. And, you know, some of these guys are in really good form and we know what they are. So we can't mm-hmm. trick ourselves into thinking that all of a sudden these guys are, are the best center backs in the, in the league. And we are giving up a lot of goals. And having mm-hmm. said that, I don't think that it's a priority right now. I agree. Yeah. I think it's good quality depth. Now it's just about building partnerships and stability and understanding between partnerships. So, yeah. Um, Mary the Grass Fairy asks... Hell yeah, by the way, to that Instagram name. Uh, when Gabamin returns, is 100% healthy, does he start? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, we've seen so little of him that I don't even know what exactly it is that he does well. Um, I think at this, at this moment, if you put a gun to my head and ask me, I'd say that he's depth for, for DeCore and, uh, and Allen and... <laughs> And I'm happy to be proven wrong. Happy to have to be shown that he can play that role that, that I've been talking about. If he can play that role, plug him in. He scored some goals with uh, with with Mines. So mm-hmm. uh, if he can if he can play the role, happy to see him play instead of Andre Gomes or um, or Guilty Sigurdsson. Uh, but at this moment, especially after such a long term layoff, uh, I think he spends a lot of time on the bench, and maybe we don't see the best of him until uh, until later this year, if we if we even see it this year at all. I wonder, just throwing this out there, uh, if he had the option of making Decore go a little more forward and Gabamin pull back a little bit more, do you start Gabamin with, you know what I mean, and have him be the more defensive of the? I think I, I agree. It just now occurred to me, sorry. I realize you've already yeah, covered yeah. this, but it just hit me. It was... Maybe. I, I worry that uh, that since we don't know anything about Kibamin, we have a little bit of Kevin Morales syndrome with him. We're like, you know, a player who's been on the bench forever who we know. I mean, yeah. we don't know much about Kibamin, but like with Kevin Morales and with other players on Everton's bench, we know they're not very good, but they sit on the bench for a little while and all of a sudden they become Leo Messi. 
Yes, they, they do. Become the, <laughs> they become the thing that, you know, Kevin Morales is the, I always think of him as this player who just, the longer he sits on the bench, the better he gets in the mind of Evertonian. Um, you know, he's always, you know, this game is crying out for Kevin Morales. No, it's not. He's, he's not good. <laughs> <laughs> he was bad the last time he played. He's got a bad attitude. Get him out of here. <laughs> so, and the way I answer that question is, does he, does he start? I'm going to say sometimes. Yeah. Because because my ideal Everton squad is fluid and we don't have the same starters every week. Um, and there's going to be times where Decore needs a rest. There's going to be times where uh, other combination, you know, of players deter- necessitates we need a little bit sterner defensive presence in the middle. Um, cool. Uh, I'm I'm totally fine with him being at first just straight up depth and and sub and then eventually cycling in to be a starter at times you know i could see that we're going to need players like Obama if we're going to be a a team that's in europe absolutely Uh, you've got to have you've got to have the even if he is if even if he is in your second squad in your second tier you need to have that that a player that that's where the drop off is not if we if we have to drop to corey for whatever reason you need that that drop to be like this instead of like like this and that's I think that's what Kibamen gives us right now uh when he when he's healthy I think that's that's what he gives us is the ability to to maybe rest to Corey maybe rest to Allen and not be concerned that that you're plugging in a guy who's going to be you know uh just drowning in the midfield immediately okay uh Aaron Aaron fit ton yeah Aaron Fitton let's say that uh, Holgate starting instead of Mina. Probably. Probably. I'll say sometimes. Um, yeah, I think that 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 uh, Mina and Michael Keane have been a serviceable partnership. I think that our our best our best partnership last season certainly seemed like it was Holgate and, and Michael Keane. It seems like when you if you plug Michael Keane in next to a player who. Uh, can take a little bit of the responsibility of, of leadership off of him. He he plays a lot better, and I think I don't know that Gary Mina gives you a lot of, of leadership at the back, a lot of stability. I think he's a good player, uh, but I think I think Michael Keane feels like probably he has to cover for Gary Mina's mistakes sometimes. I think he can count. Ca- you can count on Mason Holgate to be a little less mistake prone. Yeah, I think uh, the hope is we just keep getting Holgate to be more and more fit and game ready. Mm-hmm. So we can start him on a more, more regular basis, and also the more he's in, he's going to build more understanding. That was the thing that I felt like was lacking the other day when we saw Holgate in there with Keane. It looked like there was some communication lapses here or there, um, and so I think the more that they get in there, it's just they're going to get used to each other again. You know, it's been a little while, so. Um, Josh Farley one asks, where will Everton finish this season? Sixth. He says sixth. I say I say fourth because I'm being bold this year. Normally right. I'm just like, but yeah, I'm going fourth. I'm just I'm just saying it. Right. Just doing All it. Right. I I'm hope just so. doing it. I hope so. I I, I I and we are so not deep, and it's a silly prediction, and I know it. But whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, if you asked me another day, if you had asked me right after the Fulham match, or if you'd asked me after we lost to Southampton, I'd have told you 15th. So <laughs> uh, today, today I think we're going to finish in sixth place. I think uh, 
I look I around fair. the league. I look around the league, and I don't see any. I don't see the, some of the traditional powers being uh, being super strong. So as long as we can put up good performances against those teams, I think I think we have a really good chance of finishing in, uh, in a really strong position for sixth place. Right on. I think it's. I've heard fifth. I've heard sixth. Yeah. I mean, it's. I'm fine with. I'm fine with Evertonians predicting that because they tend to be very realistic. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's awesome. Uh, Corey, I'm going to butcher Corey's name. Corey Darachne uh, says, Tim Howard is the best American to play for Everton. Do you agree? I have already said this in a, in a different week. Do I have but my, yes. Do I have my, hold on, let me check my, my Cleveland Evertonian scarf, or my, my American Evertonian scarf to see the other names. Yeah, I'd say that Tim Howard is is probably the best. Uh, <laughs> um, far, I mean, I, I let me change that. I think Tim Howard is probably far and away the best American to have spent a considerable amount, amount of time at Everton. Maybe if Lionel Donovan was around for longer, he could have mm-hmm. he could have made a made a run at that. But because uh, that guy just scores goals. Um, but but based on the the work product, uh, I'd say that, that Tim Howard uh, longevity. I mean, there were there was a time probably early when I started following that Tim Howard was one of the top goalkeepers in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously towards the end, I think we maybe had a little bit of a bad taste in our mouths because thing kinda, things kind of went sour with him and he kind of got, got trapped in the, the Roberto Martinez sinking ship because mm-hmm. uh, he, he was a big supporter of Roberto and I think people held that against him. Um, and I think obviously he was making mistakes, uh, but there was a time when he was unbeatable and yeah. Eh, I think back to like when he was playing for the United States in, in 2010 in the World Cup or even in the 2014 World Cup against Belgium where the guy was, I mean, just, yeah, uh, I mean, just an incredible, just an incredibly instinctive goalkeeper and, and probably, um, you know, he's, I mean, he's in the pantheon of, of the best Everton players in the last 10, 15 years. I think if we could have prime Tim Howard or prime Jordan Pickford, uh, I think I think most people would probably bite your hand off for an hour at this point. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. MWEFC asks Luca Dean best left back in the Premier League. I mean, I, I say yes. Done. Right now, I think I'd probably say yes too. I think uh, if if we if we if we're talking form, yeah. If we're talking probably talent. I think there's some other guys who, who might be a little better, but but different I'll, I'll players, different take, qualities too. You know, I really like I really like Ben Chilwell. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. I was a fan of his at Leicester, uh, and then I mean, you, you got you have a really hard time counting out the the guy across the park too as as one of the top top left backs around. So uh, <laughs> I'll take I'll take right now if you ask me today, I'd take Dean overall for over both of those guys. So yeah, yes, yes is the answer. The simple answer is yes. <laughs> I, I remember when I was watching his tape before he joined us. I was watching him. I was kind of like, well, this guy doesn't really drive, doesn't really dribble past people. He doesn't do much with straight up speed. It's more clever passing and runs and really brilliant balls. Uh, yeah, and so that's it, it's just weird. I remember uh, I was watching a video with my kids, like about all the talented left backs right now and it started with this this flurry of Alfonso Davies and you're seeing all this amazing dribbling ability you see all this uh, defensive prowess you see all this like on the ball skill moves and then they and then Luca Dean is the next one 
and it's the tone it's the opposite type of type of like uh, montage it's just totally different it's these brilliant like set pieces it's these uh these curling balls in to, to you know and these assists it's just a, he's just a different type of player and that's why i i'm not sure that everybody respects his highlights you know what i mean because it's different it's not when the same you, when you're a team with the quality of Bayern munich you have the the <laughs> you have the the ability to play a, a left winger at left back and get away with it i think that's what that's what you're looking at there is that that they have they're they're given the latitude just by the skill everywhere else on the pitch to, to where you can play Alphonse. I think if you plugged Alfonso Davies onto this Everton team you'd get torched just because he's <laughs> he's not a to me he's not a he's not a left back. He's a left winger, maybe a left wing back, but you know he's I I would I would happily plug him in at left wing and move move Richarlison to the right. But but I don't know about him as a I don't know that you could plug him in anywhere else. And have him have the, that same success with that position. I don't. I don't think he's a particularly good defender. But I would also be. love to see him uh, do like dribble out of the back the way he does so often in the Premier League. Some I would love to see that. Not saying he couldn't do it because I, I. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, I probably rate him more than you do defensively. But uh, but at the same time, I always love the idea of seeing people challenge themselves against you know, different types of opposition. I'd love to see that. Sure. So anyway, but yeah, uh, only mention that because it's a totally, Luca Dean is not, a, not as much of a flash player. Uh, his, his highlights are different. So I think it tends to him being, uh, it, it leads to him being overlooked at times, but yeah, I'm giving it to him. Yeah. yeah uh, so. Ali R 2811 asks the best player at Everton right now. I think that Thomas Rodriguez became the best player at Everton as soon as he walked in the door. I think uh, I think there isn't anybody else who's got the level of of ability that that Hamas Rodriguez has. Uh, I mean, I think you could you could make a case for for Dominic Calvert Lewin, and and certainly I would I would hope that Everton rates him very highly, so that we could if 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 for for some reason they decide that he has to go, uh, we get the financial compensation that that we deserve for him. Um, so I'd say that it's it's Hamas Rodriguez based on his ability, based on his resume. Um, but it's not far and away. Uh, but I do think as soon as he arrived, he was he became the best player on the team. It's hard to argue that. I think uh, there's 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 definitely room to mention Richarlison. Sure, he's part of the conversation. Richarlison uh, is probably the most important player in Everton. Pretty darn um, important, yeah. But but I'd say that Thomas Rodriguez is probably still still better than he is right now. I think Richarlison has the potential. Richarlison has the potential to be a to be a Ballon d'Or winner. I mean, he's He's incredible. Uh, he's also still very young. We'll see where his career takes him. Hopefully, he's at Everton for a really, really, really long time. Yeah. Um, I think we we know how this tends to go. So <laughs> fingers crossed that we keep him as long as we can. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of quick, uh, quick last ones. Michael Bone one asks, "Do you think Carlo has lost a step in ways of in ways of coaching?" No, I think he surrounds himself with. Uh, I think by surrounding himself with his son and with Duncan, he, he still is in good shape as far as keeping in touch. I, I think that's why you, if you're Carlo, that's why you keep Davide around is because if he's lost a, if he's lost a step in coaching, he's got this, this mini me, right. Who, who can, who can kind of keep, 
keep pushing forward. I think that's important. And I don't think I don't think Duncan Ferguson ever gets old. I don't think that that's that style, the the blood and thunder, right. play for the club, play with your heart. That that that's that works in every in every era. It never goes mm-hmm. out of style. Yeah, and I think the reason people are asking this question, by the way, is because of the solutions that Carlo has had to start drawing up because of our lack of depth, because of our injuries, because of our red cards. And he's having to get creative and starting to make, having to make some tactical changes and some decisions that people are doubting because they're not always working. And uh, I would counter with the fact that, yeah, they're tough situations. <laughs> so, so, so that's it's it's tough for tough for it to work every time so uh, it's not an easy task that he's got so i don't think he's lost a step i think uh, we still uh have a lot of ground to make up in terms of being the club we want to be so. agreed last thing hector underscore jw what positions do we need to improve in the january transfer window let's pretend that we could loan a couple of players what are your two? What are your two positions you loan in? Two positions that I loan in, assuming that Seamus, Kel- Seamus Coleman is healthy and could play the rest of the season. Uh, so just we'll just get that assumption in. Uh, I would say that for me, it, it's that midfield position, that that ball carrying midfield position, mm. and then probably probably after that, if we're going to stick with the formation that we've been running, other than this week, probably someone to to back up. Calvert Lewin would be the other thing that I would say. I had a feeling you'd go there. Uh, right now, Chinktosin. I actually like Chinktosin as a player. I, I think that there is some there is a role for him at Everton. If he's going to be here, we might as well use him. Uh, we've seen in the past, especially his first season here, that if you give him chances, he will score. Um, I don't know that this team necessarily makes the kind of chances that he tends to put away a whole lot. And then I, I wonder. Uh, you know, Ellison seems like he should be ready to to come up to the to the big boy squad, but but no one else, the, the club doesn't seem to think that yet. Right. So so if Ellison isn't ready, uh, then then loan him out and and bring in, um, you know, I, we don't have to bring in like some young player whose uh, whose future is at Everton forever. I mean, I know he wouldn't who he wouldn't come, but but someone like Olivier Giroud would be just fine. Yeah. And uh, I limited you by saying two positions uh, very knowingly because I was curious as to what you would say. Uh, but, yeah, I think the, the right back position, as you mentioned, uh, we'd have to make sure that's, that, uh, that's covered in some way. That's, a, that's one that uh, that problem just – Terry sent us a question in last week from Mailbag talking about how that problem doesn't seem to be going away right now, and it doesn't. So um, – that's yeah, more to more fodder, more conversation fodder to figure out how we're going to approach that. Sometimes, sometimes people would say, uh, I think some people would say goalkeeper too. Um, I would say that at this point, I can I kind of look at the goalkeeper position like a closer in Major League Baseball. Uh, if 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 you've got everything you need in the starting rotation already, and you've got the offense to get the job done, then yeah, go, go after a closer. But like, it's a luxury position that, that we don't necessarily look. Jordan Pickford is, is good enough to get us where we, where we feel like we should be right now. Is he good enough to get us to win the league, to win the champions league, anything like that? No, probably not. But, but to get us into seventh place, sixth place, get us into Europe. Uh, we got into Europe with Joel Robles. So. Yes, we did. 
we, we can get into Europe and turn the pick quickly. Plus, I like our backup, Jake. I, I like Olsen. I think he's a good keeper. Yeah. I would love to see yeah, him get a little bit more time. Uh, I think if he were playing, I think we'd still have some solid results. So, maybe. Uh, regardless, I don't think we need to, to replace either one of them in January. No. It's, there's no, no need for that. So, yeah. No, go after – if you're going to do something like that, go after a big fish in the summer. Indeedly. To quote, to quote Ned Flanders. All right. That one's – let's move on to Leeds. Leeds is this weekend. Uh, very, very odd that I care about Leeds at all. Uh, normally, why? Why with the Leeds? I, you know – uh, but I watched the entire first season of the Amazon show with them. Uh, my whole family watched it together. Uh, so, yeah, it was, you know, it was cool to sit there and go on that journey with them. Uh, that was nice. That was, a, that was a neat thing to watch that show. Um, so now I actually can put a little personality to some of these players that they have, which is cool. Also, Jack Harrison went to Wake Forest, man. That is <laughs> freaking cool all right that is that is so neat that a that a wake forest player is playing in the premier league that's crazy so yeah. do so i don't really know a whole lot uh about like how i'm supposed to feel about leeds as a club i feel like a lot of times i talk to everton supporters and they're like oh yeah we can't like them their supporters are awful so i don't i don't i don't know enough about leeds today <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not uh I, everything I know about English geography and like English, uh, like cultural culturally is, is based on, on soccer. So, yeah. uh, but I, but I don't know. Lee, it's been so long since Leeds has been in the premier league that I have virtually no conception of what they are. <laughs> See, I, I thought it was kind of cool because they've, they've been, they were historically such a big club, you know, uh, they have this massive stadium and then things got so bad for them as a club, but, you know, I was kind of psyched to see that they had made it back up. I was like, okay, cool. You know, I, I, you, you like seeing people get on their feet. That's awesome. It's one of those, you know? it's one of those clubs that belongs in the top flight. Um, you know, I look at, there's, there's, there's three or four clubs in the championship that I look at and I'm like, man, that club just, they, they belong in the top flight. Mm. Uh, a club like, a club like Nottingham Forest to me, they belong in the top flight and they're just wallowing away in the championship. Mm. Um, you know, and, and there are clubs that are in the Premier League that you look at them and you're like, you know, what's Brighton still doing here? Right? Like, how is how is it that we're still talking about Brighton and Hove Albion as a Premier League side, and yet, you know, uh, Sunderland's in League One? Uh, it's baffling. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I think the one that always uh, catches people that uh, a couple years ago, a friend of mine started watching Premier League for the first time. He's an avid soccer guy. I watched a lot of Serie A. And then all of a sudden just decided, oh, I'm going to watch Premier League now. And he just would not shut up about the fact that Burnley is in the Premier League and how it was ridiculous to him. And, and he was just – he just would not – and I was like, look, they got a manager. They're stable. They have a lot of nil-nil, one-nil wins, all right? And that's – they find a way. And there's something admirable about that, just saying. Um, having said that, that stability and the way people grind out results sometimes, some of these clubs – Leeds does not get results like that. That is not how Leeds play now under Bielsa. Um, they're they're wacky, wacky team. They're a wacky squad. They're current form. They're 14th in the Premier League. They're 3-2-4 and four with a, uh, 11 points. Did I get that right? That's a lot for 14th. That's right. Uh, yeah. uh, previous three matches had a nil-nil draw with Arsenal. They had a 
4-1 loss to Palace and a 4-1 loss to Leicester. Just, just weird, bizarre results from this team. Um, uh, their uh, possible lineup, I'll just throw, throw this out there. Melie, uh, <laughs> trying to get the French pronunciation right on this, guys. I'm sorry. Melie, uh, Luke Ayling, uh, Cooper, Koch, uh, Dallas, uh, Dallas. Sorry, I just went all like American. <laughs> Dallas, Dallas, Texas. Yeah. I, what's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> Phillips, uh, Rafinha, Rodrigo, Klich, uh, Jack Harrison, Godeeks, and uh, Patrick Bamford, who has seven goals this season. What? Uh, danger, yeah, and Klich has uh, three assists. So, yeah, it, you play against a uh, Bielsa team, you know they're going to be they're going to do the work. Uh, the question is, uh, how many goals are you going to put past them? Because they tend to give up a lot. Uh, what do you What do you think about this squad? Have you had a chance to watch Leeds play at all this season? Do you have any thoughts about them at all? I watched them early in the season. Didn't they have like a four three with with the uh, the other lot yeah. in the first first game of the season? It was the first one, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I've seen some other. When I looked earlier today, when I knew that I was coming on here, I saw that their their goals for are actually a lot lower than I expected them to be. I think mm-hmm. they, they average less than two goals a game, which kind of surprised me. And they give up about two goals a game. Um, so, so you know, you can score against this team. They're pretty easily cut open. They kind of remind me of like a worse version of of Everton under Martinez, right? Just just playing with the back door open an awful mm-hmm. lot. Um, you know, leaving leaving their goalkeeper with a lot of a lot of tough saves to make. Um, and I think that's kind of what we knew they were going to be when they came up. We knew that they were going to be the team that, that uh, almost like, like a better version of Norwich last season. They were going to have mm. a go. They were going to come out and try to score goals. And if they could score more goals than you, then, then you know, that's going to be a problem. But yeah. if you can cut them open a couple of times, you know, they're kind of soft inside. Uh, I do feel a little nervous. Patrick Bamford is just one of those guys. He's, he's like Mitrovic, right? You look at him and you're like, that guy. You can just tell that he's he's like he's he is looking to score against Everton, right? He is he is uh, he's a championship striker who who like makes his entire Premier League career on scoring goals against Everton. Uh, <laughs> I know I don't know that Patrick Bamford has ever even played against Everton before, but just looking at him, it just feels that way. Um, that's hilarious. Feels like feels like the kind of guy that's that's good for a brace against Everton just about every time he plays him. Um, we'll see. Uh, I think that our center backs can probably handle him. I think he's probably more of like a, like a thumper striker. And I think those are the kind of strikers that this, this particular center back pairing seems to do well against, right? You're mm. not going to out jump here. Mina. he's, he's gigantic. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about this match. I think I would feel a lot better if we didn't have the form that we've been in defensively. Uh, but I would say I, I expect to win. I expect to beat Leeds at home. Um, uh, the, the squad doesn't – I look at the squad and I don't see anything that jumps out at me as particularly problematic other mm. than maybe, maybe you know, that, that link up between Cleish uh, and, and, and Patrick Bamford. If they're able to – if he's able to put good crosses in, um, it'll be an issue for our, for our defense. But, uh, but as long as we can marshal Bamford, and you know, limit chances uh, and take our chances. I think I think this is a game where Richard Wilson's probably got to score. 
um, because he's going to have lots of chances. Mm. Um, might be the kind of game where you have more, uh, more like we had early this season with uh, with James Rodriguez standing by himself at the back post, uh, scoring easy goals. Yeah. Right. That's that's what we need to do here. Uh, and we need to put the game as soon as we can. I think we got to put the game beyond doubt. If you let a yeah. team like this hang around, that's when you have problems. So just just put it put it to the sword as soon as you can. If, if we can get up two nil, three nil early, um, you know, and not concede that that after we go up one nil goal that we tend to concede, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's uh, I think that's that's the way you beat this team is just just put them to the sword as soon as you can. Don't gotcha. Yeah, don't let them don't let them catch you because that's what they're looking to do, right? They're looking to they're looking to score three goals before you before you know it, before you realize it. You're down three one to Leeds. Um, that's and that's not a position that we want to be in because we know this team does struggle to play from behind uh, and has for for a long time. Uh, possible lineup? Uh, are we assuming that Coleman is not back? Yeah, I think so. I doubt so too. Um, so are we thinking we're going to roll that three in the back again? No, I don't think they will. Um, I think, I think if we if we hope that Mason Holgate is healthy, I think you plug Mason Holgate in it right back, and and then from there you basically try to run the playbook from from Coleman being available. Mm. Um, I. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Carlo goes with three at the back again. I think that that experiment kind of kind of didn't work out. If he does go three at the back, I think maybe you don't see Yerry Mina. Maybe you see Holgate plugged in instead of Yerry Mina. Interesting. Yeah, I was thinking he was going to go think? back. I, I I had a feeling he was going to go back to the the three in the back just because, and then uh, just because the the first half worked out all right, um, sure. and it will be performed. I guess in a position where it wasn't, we weren't expecting that, and he performed pretty well. Uh, I, and, but you get it. You make a good point. If Holgate's healthy, does that change? That may change formation, uh, but that and that certainly could change personnel. Um, but if he and Coleman are not really all the way ready, then we're going to see Godfrey Mina and Keen again, with it will be and Dean on those uh, wing backs. Um, Alan and Decore, um, and then uh, Thomas, DCL, and Richarlison. I think that's. I think you can almost guarantee Alan, Decore, Thomas, DCL, Richarlison are all starting uh, in some iteration. Um, I love the fact that I, we have players that drift. By the way, uh, throughout the game, Thomas, you he may seem like he's playing that right side and then later on in the half all of a sudden he looks like he's playing a more traditional number 10 from the center playing through the middle I love that I love giving other teams problems by doing that kind of stuff um we've been doing it all year uh but it's just kind of cool to see because we did it some uh on Sunday so um yeah I'll be curious about this man uh about the the formation and who's available because I just would love to get a straight answer about like Holgate and Coleman and uh, John Joe Kenny and just some of these people, I just wish they knew like the deal. So anyway, so uh, you think we're going to win. What do you think the uh, score is going to be, man? I'm going to go for four, two. I think that uh, their form kind of shows that they're going to give up some goals. I think that Richarlison is, is due for a couple, 
Um, but I do think we will still, I think we'll continue our streak of giving up two goals. Uh, mm. I think probably we go up three, three, nothing or three, one, they score and make it interesting sometime in the second half. And then we, we put a late, we put a late, uh, a late deal breaker in that, uh, that ends it for us. Well, I'm not as optimistic as you on this one. I'm picking a two, two draw, which is rare for me. Um, I'm not, I feel, I would like to see some more consistency in our play to really be able to, you know, the fact that we ground out that last victory, which is kind of what I thought we were going to have to do. Um, I don't know. And I don't even, I don't even necessarily think a draw is a bad result against Leeds. Um, Cause this is a, this is sort of an electric attack from them. Um, I would, I would love, oh man, a clean sheet against them against a team that, you know, attacks the way they do, that would go a long way toward making, you know, my confidence just, yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah. So, I'm not normally it, – it's weird to, to, to pick a draw. It feels weird. But, I don't know. I just felt it in, felt it in my mind brain. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so, yeah. Normally, you get such optimism here, everyone. I feel like we were still optimistic. Uh, all right, so so that's that's the end of the show. The show is over. We're we're done. So, uh, Jake, uh, we're gonna have to have you on again. This was great, man. Thanks for so much for Any, coming on. Anytime. Happy to happy to join. And is there anything you uh, you need to plug, like uh, uh, Cleveland Evertonians or anything anything else you want to get the word out there about right now? Yeah, sure. I mean, just just follow us, interact with us on on Twitter, and we're we're a little bit on Instagram. They're both the same. It's it's like you said, phonetically, it's 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 Cleverton O H at Cleverton O H. So, uh, you know, give us a follow. Uh, you know, we we try to try to be kind of active. Sometimes we go a little while without being super active. So so hold us accountable. Tweet at us. Uh, join our zooms when we put them out. Uh, we don't do it every game, but we try to do it when we can. So if, uh, if you're looking for someone to talk to, if you're alone by yourself uh, watching the match, happy to uh, to share the waking up early and, and drinking and watching Everton with people around the world. So <laughs> That's Cleverton O. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just to get a, a few pluggy things out of the way for us, uh, I probably should have done this at the beginning of the show. But if you look, if, if you're like, you know what, I want to get something on Everton Direct this Christmas or this holiday season, there's a link below there in the description. It's, I, trust me, it's there. It's down there. Uh, if you look in that region and some words, there'll be a link to, to Everton Direct. Uh, just click on that. And uh, that actually helps out Toffee Blues people. So we really appreciate it if you uh, were to utilize that. If you're planning on getting it, why not just use that? Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, next. Uh, I have my own thing, plugging my book. This is, I'm so bad at plugging my book. But buy my book. Buy, okay, yeah. So that was from The Critic, by the way, if you ever saw that show from the 90s with John Lovitz. Yeah, uh, that's not normally how I sound. Uh, but yeah, this book, it's a children's book. The idea came from a Toffee Blues episode. It's about a moose who runs and uh, finds a joy in running and has friends that are polar bears. And yeah, it's not at all what you'd expect, is what I would say. So, uh, if it's third grade reading level and you can read it to kids younger. So crazy. It's been like a virtual book tour. And like, so now I have like 12 Amazon reviews on the book. Now it's crazy. 
over the past week. Pretty neat. So yeah, check out Randolph the Christmas Moose. You can buy it on Amazon uh, and some other places too. So yeah, there's that. Lastly, uh, check out the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the Toffee Blues website, all things Everton there. Some really cool contributors on there. I know them. They're cool guys. And you probably would like them too. So I guess that's it. Jake, I think we're done now, man. Thanks so much for your time. It's good to, it's good to meet you. And um, yeah, I got to get a copy of Les Miserables now. Thanks. There you go. <laughs> gotta get, Enjoy it. Got to jump on that. Yeah, very cool, man. Thanks for the recommendation. Uh, take care of yourself. Everybody else out there, uh, let's just love to get three points against Leeds. You know, all these newly promoted sides, they think they're the shit. It'd be great. It'd be great. To, yeah. So anyway, much love to everybody. Take care. Bye.